that the Holy Spirit would guide and lead us during this Bible study. Holy Spirit, have your way rest upon your people. We take time to give you your place. You are the teacher. You are the comforter. You are the strength. You are the wisdom and the glory. So we reverence you tonight. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. First of all, I want to, uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we want to cast out all hindering spirits tonight of unbelief. In the name of Jesus. We cast them out in, in the name of Jesus. You have no place here. This is a place of divine rest for God's people and divine revelation will be given to tonight because of the power of the Holy Spirit. So, devil, you're, you're cast out in Jesus' name. God, we rest in your promises tonight. We rest in your word tonight. First, I want to focus upon uh, the awesomeness of our God tonight. That's what we've been talking about these last few weeks, connecting with our awesome God and that's what it's all about, really, is connecting with him. That's what faith is all about, connecting with God. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 17. And this is the old King James that I'm reading out of. It says here, For the Lord your God is God of gods. Somebody say amen to that. And Lord of lords. A great God, a mighty and a terrible. And word terrible is translated an awesome God. Amen. He's, he's awesome. A terrible God, an awesome God, which regarded not persons, nor taketh reward. So we get that translation that word terrible means an awesome God. Let's look at verse 21. He is thy praise and he is thy God. Somebody say he's my God. Claim him as your God. Claim him as your strength. Claim him as your righteousness. Claim him as your peace tonight. He's all of that and more. He's thy God that had done for thee <clears throat> these great and terrible or awesome things, Hallelujah. which thine eyes have seen. So God, the Bible tells us that he's awesome, and the way that we connect with him is by faith. Now, I wrote this down, and I'm going to read everything that I wrote down here because I want to give it to you just like God gave it to me. The force that connects man to the awesomeness of Almighty God is faith. Does that make sense? I'm going to read that again. The force that connects man to the awesomeness of God, the, the things that we just got through talking about, the awesomeness of God that connects us to him, to the Almighty God, is faith. 
based on what God says and he wills and wants to do through Jesus Christ for his kingdom glory. I'm going to read that again. God, I want you to I want you to ingest that because this is the the whole reason for faith. This is the whole this is the whole reason that God wants us to release our faith so that we can connect with him. He's serious about it. So the force that connects man, that's you and I, to the awesomeness of Almighty God is faith, based on what God says and He He wills and wants to do through Jesus Christ, and it's all for His kingdom glory. Now, if we can if we can give a revelation that God wants to connect with us in such a way, we can be vessels that glorify Him in our generation. Because we tap into the unlimited power of the Almighty God. That's our portion. That's what Jesus went to the cross to give us. That's what, listen to me now, that's what eternal life is all about. That's what God, God gave to us eternal life so that we could connect with Him in an intimate way. Hallelujah. So, that's what faith does. It just simply connects us with everything that God has for us through Jesus Christ. And I'm going to always put an emphasis on that. It, it's only through Jesus Christ. It's only through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ that we tap into the greatness and the awesomeness of God. There's no other way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father except through Him. That's our message. That's our foundation. And when we have a solid foundation like that, all things become possible. All things become possible. Nothing is held back. Hallelujah. He wills it that way. No more crumbs. No more watered-down man's religion. No more. This is the season for miracles and signs and wonders that glorify Him. This is what it's about. He's coming. Somebody say, He's coming back. <sighs> He's coming back. Hallelujah for a church that's shining. For a church that's dominating, hallelujah. This is our portion. Mark chapter 9, let's go there. I feel the Holy Spirit tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Now this is the head of the church talking. He says here in Mark 9 and 23... Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe all things, somebody say all things, all things are possible to him that believeth. If we can believe. Jesus says, All things become now possible. Belief is faith. Belief is a is a is a understanding and a revelation of what God has said and a 
belief that what God has said can, can come to pass in your life. That's what faith is. It's, it's believing that everything that God has said in Christ or through Christ Jesus, you can possess and you can experience in your life because God says you can. Where do we want our faith to go? Where do we want our faith to go? I'm going to answer that. Let's go to Romans chapter 4. Because God wants our faith to be transcendent. He wants our faith to be powerful. He wants our faith to be active. But we have to get to a position that we've been talking about doing these teachings. And it's found in Romans 4 and verse 20. And Abraham has been our subject matter doing a lot of these teachings these seven weeks. And the Bible says, Abraham, being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body, now dead, when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. So he had an impossible situation in the natural to overcome. But the Bible says in verse 20, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was what? Strong in faith, giving glory to God. And this is where I want to focus on here. Verse 21, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. So fully persuaded is where all things are, are, are possible to us. When we get into that, that place where we're fully persuaded, that is when all things become possible unto us. Now, how do I arrive at that place where I'm fully persuaded, where I'm experiencing the impossibilities of God. How do, I, how do I arrive there? What must I do to position myself to this, and in this place of fully persuaded faith? Romans chapter 12, let's go there. God, God has already given us faith. We've, we've studied that. The Bible says he's dealt to every man a measure of faith, or the measure of faith. So we all have faith. That's not the problem. For my faith to increase or to grow strong, I must do some things on purpose. And the Bible says here in Romans 12, Be not conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, if I'm going to become fully persuaded and really walk in that kind of faith, I must not conform anymore to Adam. I must renew my thinking 
to a new creature in Christ Jesus. I got, I got to come out of Adam, disassociate myself with Adam, because in Adam there's death. But the Bible says in Christ, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus gives me divine life and access into all that God has for me in this generation or in this covenant that I enjoy through Jesus Christ and his blood. So I must renew my mind. I must begin to meditate on what God says I am in Christ. I must begin to believe what God says about me as a new creature in Christ Jesus. Then and only then do I connect with the living God the way God wants me to. Then and only then do I, do I begin to connect with the covenant rights, hallelujah, that the blood of Jesus has bought for me. Then and only then can I experience a life of heaven on earth, hallelujah. That's my portion. Somebody say, well, that's impossible. All things are possible to him who believes. The scripture says that. Our Lord and Savior just says that. To him who believes, all things are possible. If thou can believe. So, I must renew my mind by way of the word of God. If I want to become fully persuaded. Now, I wrote something else down. And I want to read it. Fully persuaded faith is built on the bedrock of the Word and is not moved by the storms of opposition. I'm going to read that again. Fully persuaded faith, faith that cannot be moved, faith that is uh, where we stagger not, is built on the bedrock of the Word of God and is not moved by the storms of opposition. Jesus told us in this world, you're going to have some trouble. Didn't he say that? But he said, but uh, uh, in the same breath, be of a good cheer. I have overcome the world for you. So even though I have opposition, even though there are things that are going to come against me, because I'm living in a broken and fallen world, Jesus has assured me that I can overcome each and every opposition by way of his faith and by way of his word. He assures me of that. But I must position myself consistently in a place where my faith is strong and immovable. Somebody say that's impossible. It's possible because God says it. I'm going to give you an example of that, of not being moved by the storms of opposition. Let's go to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. Jesus himself is about to give us an example of how to overcome the storms of life. And we've all had storms in our life. If you have been a Christian any length of time at all, you've experienced a storm or two. And you've learned that God is faithful. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 6, verse 46. 
Jesus says, And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Not what men say, but what he says. I'm going to read that again. And why call me ye Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say, which he says in his word? So he says, I got to get to the port, port, a place where I'm only doing what he says. Where I'm only listening to what he says. Because if I listen to any other voice, the voice of man, natural man, I will be limited in my experience with God. He says here in verse 47, For whosoever, I like that word whosoever, that means that anybody who is willing to listen to him can experience the benefits of covenant relationship and the power of eternal life once they get born again. So he says, whosoever. That means anyone is a candidate for walking in fully persuaded faith. Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings. They actually, they're not just listening, but they're actually hearing what he says. They're, they're taking the time to sit at his feet and actually ingest the word of God and allow the word of God to become meat to them. At first, at first it's milk, but then it becomes meat to us. And here is my sayings. And then he says, and do them. He hears and he does, or he acts on the word of God. I will show to him, I will show you to whom he is like. He is like a man which built a house and dig deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose and the stream beat vehemently upon that house, the Bible says, Jesus said, and could not shake it. For it was founded on a rock. So he's letting me know that I can position myself to such a degree that it doesn't matter what storm comes my way, if I have positioned myself and have allowed the Word of God to become a rock to me, I can overcome that storm. Because he says it could not shake it. So it's possible to have unshakable faith. That ought to be our goal. I mean, God does not gain joy from us walking around being defeated and walking around in unbelief. For, for whatever reason, I think we think that unbelief is okay. It's not okay. God wants to get us to that place where our faith is not just faith, but it's unshakable faith. This is what he says. In order for that to happen, I must 
dig deep. I must become serious about this thing. And I must view the Word of God as my only salvation. It's my rock. So it's possible to have unshakable faith. That's, that's the first thing we want to really bring home right there. It's possible for me to have unshakable faith in this lifetime, in this world. Verse 49. But he that heareth and doeth not is like a man without a foundation and built his house upon the earth and against which the stream did be vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. So this man, going through the same storm, but he has a different foundation. His foundation is not built on what the Word says. It's built on something other than that. So he does not act on the Word. He hears the Word, but he doesn't really act on the Word. He doesn't believe the Word, so he does not speak the Word. Because his eyes are on the storm, and his eyes are not on the Word. So if, if, if my eyes are on the storm, I'll be defeated. But if, my, if I can keep my eyes upon the Word, Jesus guarantees me that that storm will not overcome me. It will not overtake me. It doesn't matter what kind of storm it is. It can be a financial storm. It can be a physical storm. It can be a marriage storm. It can be whatever storm. It, it doesn't matter what it is. Jesus says if I can keep my eyes upon the rock, which is the Word, I can overcome that storm. It can't shake me. It can come against me, but it can't defeat me. I got to have that attitude. If I, don't, if I don't come into the battle with that attitude, I'll lose every time. But if I go into the battle already knowing that I got the victory before I go into the battle, I'll win every single time. Kenneth Copeland said one time, he said, Satan is a spiritual outlaw. He can bring an attack but he cannot maintain the pressure of an attack. We need to learn that. He can bring an attack. He can bring hell into my life, but he cannot maintain the pressure of that attack when I understand the power of the Word of God. When I really understand the power of it. When I really begin to connect with the awesomeness of God. I can begin to experience God in ways that the natural man can't. That's our portion. We've allowed the enemy to water down this so much that we think naturally. We're not natural. Pastor Goodluck said, used to say, we're not ordinary anymore. We simply aren't. But we let life tell us that we're ordinary. This, this, this eternal life that we've been given, it's an awesome thing. God, give us revelation concerning eternal life and the, and the blessing of it right now. The power of it right now in our lives, even in this temporal flesh. Hallelujah. So, 
The reason that that man's house fell is because he doesn't believe and he doesn't speak the word. How many of y'all know uh, sometimes you can't do nothing but just speak the word? That's, act, that's the only action you can do. And that's a good thing. We've talked about that in past teachings, that speaking the word is a powerful, powerful thing. That's why the devil wants to keep, keep the word of God out of your mouth, because he knows how powerful it is. It's the sword of the spirit. It truly is. If, you could, if, you, if we could see the power that's released when we speak the word, it would probably blow our minds. Satan knows it. He, he hates when you begin to speak the word over your circumstances or against your problems. He hates it because that, that, that tells him that your deliverance is at hand. That's why he tries to bring depression and oppression into our lives so that we won't speak the truth. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Let's look at something else. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I think the Apostle Paul, the things that we're talking about, obviously he knew these things because God gave him revelation of these things. And three-fourths of the New Testament was written by him under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So Paul was a, uh, a man, I would say, of great faith. So we can learn a lot from him. Chapter 2, verse 1. This is Paul writing. And I, brethren, when I came to you, I came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. See, I didn't come with excellency of speech or of wisdom when he declared to them the testimony of God. How many of y'all know we need to hear the testimony of God and not the testimony of men? We need to hear what God says. We need to listen to what he says about us in Christ. So all Paul knew and wanted to communicate was Jesus Christ and him crucified. Because he says here in verse 2, For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ, and him crucified. Paul says, that's all I'm going to preach. I'm going to preach the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, Christ crucified. That's all I'm going to preach to you. He says, I made a, a, term, a determination to only speak that and preach that. And our access to all the benefits of Christ. That's how Paul preached. The death, the burial, the resurrection of Christ, and our access by the blood of Jesus to all the benefits of his resurrection. That's what he came to do. He says, I'm, every time I go somewhere, I'm determined to keep that at the forefront of my teaching. Hold your finger there. 
And let's go to Psalms 103. We'll get back to 1 Corinthians in a minute. But I want you to see that God is serious about his people, his covenant people, experiencing access to the benefits of the crucified Christ. Psalms 103, verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Then David says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. A lot of times we, we forget about the benefits of salvation in terms of those things that have been readily given to us by way of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. That eternal life, the benefits of eternal life. Somebody said, well, I'll get my mansion when I get to heaven. Praise God, you will. But how many of y'all know we're, we're made and anointed right now to dominate this earth? The reason, the reason we don't really understand that is because our minds haven't been renewed to that. We still think like Adam thinks. But we're not in Adam anymore. That's the whole key. Paul says, I came to preach Christ and him crucified. Okay? We're not, we're not that man or that woman anymore that we used to be. And I have now access to all the benefits of the resurrected life in Christ Jesus. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities. Somebody say, all my iniquities. And who healeth all thy diseases. So God is telling us, in the old covenant, this is the old covenant, that Israel enjoyed the forgiveness of their iniquities and the healing of all their diseases. Now, those are old covenant benefits. How many of y'all know we don't live under the old covenant anymore? We, we're living under the new covenant, which the Bible says is a better covenant established upon better promises. We were singing earlier, we rest in his promises. Amen? And that's what, that's what David is trying to get us to see tonight, that he heals all our diseases. Who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth you with loving kindness and tender mercy. This is God doing this, right? God is crowning us, the Bible says, with loving kindness. Oh, I receive that tonight. I receive your loving kindness tonight. I don't deserve it, but I receive it. Hallelujah. I, I don't deserve your mercy, but I receive it as a benefit tonight, Lord. I thank you for it. I worship you for it. It's real to me tonight. Hallelujah. Who satisfied thy mouth with good things, <laughs> so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. Hallelujah. That's the anointing. That's what the anointing can do. It can renew your youth like the eagles. I 
I, I, I experience it every time, every time the anointing comes on me to preach, it, it just comes upon me and I'm not a new person. Y- y'all know, y- y'all preach, y'all know what I'm talking about. The power of the, it's real, it's a tangible thing. That's your portion on a moment by moment basis. That's what eternal life, that's part of the benefits of eternal life. Not just when you're in the pulpit, but when you're dealing with life. Hallelujah. He's given to you all things that pertain to life and godliness. Somebody say all things that pertain to life and godliness. Hallelujah. That's our push. We have to believe it. We have to trust him for that. In the midst of the storm, we have to trust him for that. We have to thank him for that. In the middle of the, in the, middle of the mess, we have to thank him for that. He satisfied my mouth with good things so that my youth is renewed as the eagle. So these are some of the benefits, and that's, just best, that's basically scratching the surface. These are some of the benefits of our access to the death, burial, and resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Now let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 again. Verse 5, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men. That's our problem. We're listening to what men have to say. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but what? In the power of God. My faith should only be based on what has been made available to me by God's power. That's what my faith is based on. When when I'm walking in fully persuaded faith, my faith is based on what God has said and not what people have said or not what my body says or nobody anything says in this natural realm. That's what Abraham did. Abraham stopped looking... At the natural. He refused to consider his body now dead. Neither yet the deadness of Sarah's room. He refused to look at the circumstance. God says you can get to a place where you don't have to look at the circumstances. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal. But the things which are not seen are eternal. The word of God. Is eternal. God says, keep your focus on that. Keep your focus on the power of God. Verse 9. As it is written, I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man, the things which God had prepared for them that love him. But God, the Bible says, had revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. Radical, extreme faith focuses on the unseen realm. Does that make sense? 
Radical, un- this kind of faith focuses on the unseen realm. The deep things are in the spirit realm. I must focus on what has already been done for me. I must focus on everything that has been bought through the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross of, Je- on the cross of Christ and on the resurrection. I must focus on those things. I must focus on those things that our mind has an inheritance at the right hand of God. I must content- continuously connect myself with God through my faith in Christ and everything that he has done for me and everything that he possesses in, for me at his right hand. See, the scripture says, I've been raised up and made to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's my position now. The scripture says, and I, and I preach this all the time, but I, 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 I don't grow weary of preaching. We're heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Everything that belongs to him. Everything that belongs to him belongs to me. Has an inheritance. I don't deserve it, but I get it anyway. Hallelujah. So I, I focus on that. I focus on the deep things of God. Then God begins to open up to me all of the blessings that are mine in the spirit realm. And they become manifested then in the natural realm because God knows he can, be, he can be glorified through my possession of those things. That's good preaching right there. That's good preaching. Verse 11, and I'm getting ready to close. For what man knoweth the things of man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. So we need to get along with God and His Word and allow the Holy Spirit to begin to download in our hearts the very power of the resurrection and the life that we have access to through Jesus Christ. Verse 12. Now we have received, that's the key right there. You got to receive these things. You, you can't just hear about them, you have to receive them. You have to say, that's mine. You have to say, everything God says is mine, I want it. God, God, God's not mad when I begin to possess those things. He wants me to possess it. Now we have received, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things which are freely given to us of God. And I'm going to close with this. The spirit of the world can only reveal to man what is available to fallen Adam. Let that... Let that Get into your heart. I'm going to read it again. The spirit of the world can only reveal to man what is available to fallen Adam and is limited to the natural realm. That's why God doesn't want us to live in the natural realm. 
We're here in the natural realm, but he does not want us to focus on the natural realm because we're greater than that. But the Spirit of God reveals the unsearchable riches of the unlimited Christ. That's what the Spirit of God does. He begins to reveal to us what the book of Ephesians says are the unsearchable riches of Christ. Think about that. They're unlimited. There's no end to what God has done for us in Christ. It's it's far beyond what our natural man or our natural mind can comprehend. Yet God wants us to experience those things by His Spirit. As we walk in the Spirit, as we live in the Spirit, as we develop lifestyles of faith like this, the jest shall live by this kind of faith. These are what the justified people do. They live like this. This is not foreign to them. This is, you know what they, uh, I believe uh, Paul was talking to King Agrippa. And King Agrippa said, man, and Paul was laying it out. Not, not, not even deep things like that. He was just laying some things out. But, he, but, he, but King Agrippa said, all your learning, or was it Festus? One of them said, all your learning had made you crazy, Paul. It's like, I think it's in the 26th chapter of the book of Acts. He said, all your learning have made you crazy. And you know, when you think like this and when you talk like this, the thing we're talking about tonight, people will think you crazy. That's not possible. What do you mean? What do you mean? Heaven, you, can, you can be seated with Christ in heaven. What are you talking about? You're joined out with Christ. What are you talking about? That don't make no sense. No, it doesn't make any sense. It makes faith. This is, this is our portion. So when you get to talking like this, even among some Christians... They'll be like, ah, that's too deep for me. No, no, no. We haven't went deep enough. That's the problem. That's the problem. We haven't went deep enough. Stand to your feet tonight. That's the problem. Father God, we thank you tonight for the mighty Holy Spirit. The one who reveals to us these mighty truths. Who gives us divine revelation and divine bread from heaven. Lord Jesus, we worship you tonight. Our eyes are upon you, King Satan. For you have made all these things possible. You have allowed your church to share in all that is yours. We bow down to the Lamb tonight. And we focus upon the Lamb tonight. We bless the Lamb tonight. We praise the Lamb tonight, and we will to praise you forever and ever and ever and ever throughout the eons of your eternity. May we praise you, Lord, for you are worthy, Jesus. You are worthy. We give you all the glory, all the praise, all of the honor for every manifestation of your spirit in our lives. In Jesus' name, somebody say amen to that. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you and thank you for coming tonight. And we have a lot of food in the back that we need to pick up tonight on our way out. Amen? Amen.